Dude, roll up the rim is back. Roll up the rim. Funny story. Hit me with it. Not that funny. Somebody brought coffee to work, and there were like 10 cups. And so we proceeded to roll them all up. <laughs> and I just feel like, oh, this is making so much waste. They got the People 10 just pack. rolling up empty cups and throwing them out. They didn't even use them for the coffee? No, they sent like a lot of cups, and only like three guys had coffee. Roll up the rim is the most genius marketing campaign for our American listeners. The coffee cup has a roll-up part of the rim. You roll up, and then you can find it if you've won amazing prizes. Coffee. Potato wedges. Yeah, that's a hilarious one. I gave away. I won something, and I gave it away because uh, recently a Tim Hortons has opened up in my beautiful small town of Port Carling, yeah. and I have decided to boycott it. So really? I'm going to use it. Yeah. And I wow. have not gone in. It's been open for since Christmas. That's interesting. Let's have not get, used it. Let's get into that once we start the podcast. Have we not started the podcast? This is the cold open. Thank you for listening to the Open Road Podcast. If you're here with us for, you know, the first time, let us tell you a little bit about it. My name is Jeremy. Okay, and my name is Calvin. And we are here to help you find a little bit more adventure in your everyday via interesting guests, fun stories from us, etc. Products, perhaps? Yeah, you know what? I I had a chat. Uh, we, we have Jay Siemens coming on the show today, and mm-hmm. he listened to some of our earlier episodes. And... In those episodes, we shared with people a little bit of a a framework for how we help you find adventure. And there were these five key areas. And in some regard, we've strayed a little bit from them, Mm -hmm. but we Mm -hmm. still kind of hold to them. We we try to find a holistic picture of adventure. And so we had these five kind of topics that we would dive into so that content would stay fresh and, you know, people wouldn't be hearing from the same types of people over and over again. Those were food and drink, sport and hobby, commerce and entrepreneurship. Um, uh, arts and culture. Arts and culture, and the last one is. Uh, forget because I wasn't listening to the first three. You said. I know. It um, should be easy. Hmm. Oh, adventure in the outdoors, or no ex- exploration in the exploration outdoors. in the outdoors. So those, that's funny. We haven't said them in so long, but we but those yeah, have kind of we're pretty good. Those are kind of now embedded in what we do. So if you're ever listening to this podcast, we'll kind of jump between those topics and bring someone on the show who is doing something neat in one of those areas. And so we were chatting with Jay, and he said, oh, I, I cover about four of those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh, that, that this will be a good, well-rounded episode for you. But we'll get to that in just a minute. Here's another quick tip. If you fi- if you take a good you know self-examination at yourself and you can't see yourself fitting into any of those categories, you got problems. <laughs> yeah, they, we really tried to make them all-encompassing. And if you also noticed... <laughs> It's like not only is it five categories, but there's two things per category. So <laughs> if you're having like... a really hard time thinking of how anything that we just said applies to you, so so as much you as need this us is, as much as this is an adventure podcast, it's like a general interest podcast too. Yeah, but, this uh, whole, our whole goal is to never run out of things to talk about. Exactly, but Calvin, I do have an interesting. I, I do All think right. I want to dive into roll up the rim a little bit because oh sure, for me it's such a brilliant marketing campaign. That truly gets me to buy more Tim Hortons when the roll up the rim is on because there's a one in six chance that your cup has a winning thing on it. And I love the thrill. And, and you're, you're I, a sucker for the drive through is what you are. As Dude, I passed like five Tim Hortons on my drive to work. I, I have know. Katie got a bunch of gift cards for Tim Hortons, so I'm not actually spending my own money. 
So, nice. but zero waste guy would say, Money no, 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 spent. no, 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 don't use those cups. That's what he would say. Well, he would just say, use a reusable cup. But I want the right? roll up. True. So what do you do for the roll up? Can you just count on, eh, yeah, no. you don't get anything. And that's why people go to, wait, the McDonald's cups, It's everyone is a, like a sticker towards a free coffee, but sure. I don't know if yeah, they yeah. give you a sticker if you buy it in a travel mug. Anyways, tell yeah, me a little bit more about this boycott of Tim Hortons because that's interesting to me. Well, every day I drive to work and I pass this Tim Hortons as I drive through my beautiful little quaint picturesque town. Yes. And now there's this big, fancy, not really ugly, but it's ugly because it's a Tim Hortons as right. I drive through. And it's just like, first there was a subway and I was like, come on, subway in our little town? Get out of here. And now there's this Tim Hortons, and I just feel like I can't handle it. It's just, it looks, and they put up this massive sign right beside the building for no reason, because you can obviously see that it's a Tim Hortons, but they, you know, erected this massive Tim Hortons red sign, and I just feel like it's too much. So I have decided to boycott that every morning I drive through, give them the finger, and that's kind of my routine. (laughs) Do you do a single finger or a double bird? Uh, depends if I have a coffee in my hand or not. <laughs> From home. From you hold home. Up, you're holding up your <laughs> coffee and then... So so no matter what, it's no hands on the steering wheel is what you're saying. That's... Yeah. yeah. I never <laughs> have two hands on the steering wheel. I'm not some nerd. <laughs> oh, it is funny, like... I, I totally understand where you're coming from, and at the same time, I think it's hilarious that you're like this small town, like you sound like this like grumpy old man who just is. No, like, but like, so-, <laughs> so think about in Canada, like all of the little small towns we have. How many yeah. of them don't have a Tim Hortons? Yeah, it's getting very few, and yeah. it just feel I just feel like once a Tim Hortons gets its you know little claws into your town, I don't know, like you're just the same as everybody else. Yeah, I definitely felt the same way about Niagara on the Lake. So. There was this really nice little cafe. It was called the Sugar Plum Cafe. We would sometimes go yes. there as a family after church. Goes out of business. Who takes up the location? Yeah. Tim Hortons. There's now I a know. Starbucks on the main street in Niagara-on-the-Lake, like on the mm. quaint main street. It's all, it's all being infiltrated, man. The corporate the corporate money just can reach anywhere it wants to. It really can. And, and for the longest time, I think this town had really strict laws, like bylaws and rules against uh, franchise restaurants and things yeah. coming in but then we have the turtle jacks which was kind of a big deal right it's actually done really well it's really successful um you go there why do you go there i go there simply because it's kind of one of the only options if you want to eat food in port carling it has like an awesome waterfront patio and it's like kind of the only like reasonably priced restaurant that argument so, breaks down though with the tims because isn't that totally breaks the only down places and you can yeah get you're right but i feel like there's like I don't know how many Turtle Jacks franchises are there compared to Tim Hortons. Well, and I also appreciate your willingness to take a stand, right? Yeah. You know? And to be fair with the Turtle Jacks, I never go there. Like, Kate and I would never go there. But we always have guests up. They will usually go with them to give them the waterfront experience. Yeah, I hear you. You're not and like, hey, let's go I, to Turtle Jacks on a Friday night. And I won't order anything myself, you know, because <laughs> of my stances. I'll just, I'll just chirp everyone. Could I please have water? Uh, <laughs> sir, are you... S- in not in a glass. Wait, what did I, I put it in? I bring a bottle. I go dunk it in the lake and bring it back to the table. <laughs> oh, that's rich. Yeah, oh, that's good. So I mean that that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's fair. I like that. That's good. With the roll up the room. That's why I give away my roll ups. Yeah. How do it... I obtain said roll ups? You ask. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Somebody brought them to work. Yeah. So I, I was rolling. 
So you did partake in the rolling, and was it not exciting? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Speaking of rolling and exciting, I was at the work the other day, and there's like roofers doing the roof. Yeah. And I go outside, beautiful Friday afternoon, and I am smish, sniffing the fresh, snowy air. And what do I sniff wafting down from the roof? Uh-oh. <laughs> Just clouds of pot smoke. No. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate just getting like completely slayed at work <laughs> that's so I just bad it was, like the funniest thing it's so bad i just thought it was like just hilarious just like yeah. so typical like you breathe this in you're like wait is this seriously happening like it's just it's just dudes being dudes like up on the roof <laughs> thinking that no thinking that it's just gonna rise up and no one will know <laughs> In reality, it's like coating the entire bottom. It's so funny. Like oh everyone can gosh. smell it. The entire job site just reeks. <laughs> that is really funny. And just like, I don't know. Yeah, that is hilarious. Because, yeah, what'd you do or what do you say? You just don't do anything. Like, what are you going to do? Like, nothing. You just chuckle like, yourself. Yeah, I looked up at the guy and just, he's just, yeah, big doob hanging out of his beak. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Living life, yeah. paying bills. Oh. That is pretty funny. Hey, so you said you had one more thing you wanted to chat about, or should we do that after we get to Jay? We'll, we'll do it after. All right. Well, Let's we're going to bring on Jay Siemens. He is a guy that I found uh, via the internet. He, I found him because he was the uh, videographer, the, 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 the cinematographer, the director, whatever you want to call it, for some of my favorite online fishing videos. Yeah, you and him share a common hero. <laughs> well that's actually kind of true yeah um but uh so and then i started following jay on instagram and he's does all kinds of cool traveling he does all kinds of interesting media stuff and it turns out we have some really interesting mutual connections so i don't mm. know if we chat about that in the interview or if we did that before or after but you know jay siemens great guy we have a really fun conversation up uh thank you guys for tuning in we hope this interview helps you find a little more adventure in your everyday all right, we are here with Jay Siemens. Thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, we got a, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about fishing, talk a little bit about media, talk a little bit about uh, just some of the other trips that you've been on and whatnot. But the thing that I'm always interested in with uh, someone like you is like, what what got you started, and like, what kind of give us like, like a snapshot of the journey to get you to where you are today. Uh, we found you online uh, through some of the stuff that you've been up to via and, the internet, uh, not not fishing. Yeah, no, not fishing online. Online, like the www. Ever Got heard it. of the the World Wide Web? Yeah, me, Jer. Yeah, I'm yeah, on yeah. the web, bro. Okay, and now now over to Jay. Yes, I've heard of the internet. Um, <laughs> no, well, uh, I guess everything started with fishing. Doesn't it always? Yeah, it just starts starts with a fishing trip, right? When I was young, I was obsessed with fishing, and the, the whole media part hadn't really entered my life yet. It was uh, just through high school, got more into it, and then eventually I'm like, oh, I could maybe find a job that's that's fishing-related. And then I started working at uh, at fishing lodges. So I worked as a, as a fishing guide. So basically, nice. there's I've worked at a number of different lodges, but essentially you have guests, mainly Americans, coming up, and uh, you take them fishing, you cook them shore lunch, and that's what I did for... Uh, pretty much the last, well, seven years of my life, starting when I was 15 Wow! and, uh, awesome cool. summer job. Yeah. So it's, 
for a guy who likes fishing, just to be on a boat every day is phenomenal. And even though you're not fishing yourself, you're just, you're watching people fish and teaching them how to fish. It's just, it's tough to beat being on a boat every day and you're still yeah. surrounded. You're still in that atmosphere. Um, and you're like often at a fly-in lodge in the middle of nowhere. So you're, you're stuck there. You're not spending your money and you're just at essentially at the cabin all summer, which is kind of, kind of the dream, right? Yeah. That's a great gig. And is, is that how it would have worked? So they would have hired you and then flown you to wherever they want to go? Or do you work out of a central place and then you go on, you know, X trips, you can go to any one of these lakes and they'll fly your guide out with you? Like, how does it work? Uh, it depends on the lodge. So the first lodge I went to, you could either fly to or you could boat there. The second lodge I went to was flying only. And, and the last lodge that I worked at, um, which was a fly-in lodge, that was one of the higher end lodges in Canada, I guess. And... Um, yeah, essentially, I fly up there, and I'm there for maybe I'd come home for a couple of days in the middle of summer, but I was there for I guess June, July, August. Really, and you're pretty much working every day. It's and a Marriott. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're pretty much yeah working every day, and you know you don't really get any rest, but that's that's your season, right? You go hard for for three months, mm. and then it's it's back to school or whatever. So it's an awesome job for a student, and you just you learn so much when you're fishing because. If you or I would go fishing, typically, if, if it was nice weather, we'd go out. If it was crappy weather, well, we might wait till next weekend, right? But when you're guiding, it's like these people are spending a lot of money to come up there to go yeah. fishing. And there, there's no plan B. They don't want to sit in the cabin. So it's like yeah. the nastiest days, you're out there trying to catch fish. And it, it just, like, forces you to unlock the puzzle on those on those different days, right? Because you can't just catch, catch fish on flat, sunny days, right? Hmm. We uh we were in Florida last or month and a half ago and we had a fishing charter set up for just one afternoon and so or no so it was kind of like the whole day and it happened to be that it was like pouring rain the night before really stormy and windy and it's just and the uh the and the guide doing the charter was doing everything in his power to talk us out of doing the charter. Oh man, that's <laughs> tough. Yeah, and we, could, and we just kept pushing it. You could tell he was so ticked that he had oh, to do this. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, no, it's, you can't, I mean, it's different if it's his own boat, maybe, but when I'm working for a different lodge, it's like, nope, you just put a smile on and you go and yeah, yeah. the, the biggest rule is you always stay warmer than the guest, right? And you're just like bundled up in the back of the boat and you feel bad some days because you're on big lakes and it can be big waves and they're just like getting, it's always the calmest in the back of the boat, right? So you're always getting yeah. the softest ride and the further up you go, the rougher it is, right? So sometimes you have 70 or 80 year old guests and you're just, see them bounce up and down and it's like <laughs> you probably shouldn't be doing this right now like you're but, like in the middle of nowhere they could break their hips slamming in the boat i've seen some just ridiculous stuff like like what i mean like chairs break and one of the more ridiculous stories i have is this guy hooked his buddy in the head and we're oh, like a super remote lake so some of these lodges lodges have flyout lakes so you're at the main lodge but then that day you fly to a different lake an hour away and they have like three boats there on a beach and right. you get dropped off there for the day. And we're at one of these lakes. And Buddy just like reefs it forward to set the hook and just right into the back of the guy's head. Uh. And he's just down in the boat. And the guy who didn't get hooked, his reaction was almost worse than the guy that got hooked because he was just losing his mind that he just put a hook into his buddy's head. <laughs> so, oh man. And then like, I'm a 19 year old at the time. and Yeah, that's like, the hilarious thing. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a 50-year-old and a 65-year-old businessman, and I'm like trying to calm them down and control the situation, right? And I'm like, okay, guys, calm down. I'm just going to pull this hook out of your head. It's all going to be good. Oh, a little band-aid. Happens all the time. 
Yeah. Well, that's well, that's guy. interesting. And so, like, um, uh, yeah, one of the ways the way I first found out about you was you're doing a lot of filming for a online fishing YouTube channel called Uncut Angling. So I'd love to even get a little bit of background story on how how that started, and then yeah, so bring us to when you started to mix media in with your uh, skill with fishing. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty much what happened there. Like I, I never took photography or or video in high school. The classes were offered, and it just didn't line up with my schedule and and whatever. I I didn't know that it was a thing for me. And then as I was fishing more and spending summers at these lodges and like scenic places, I started taking more pictures. And then graduated from high school and I took a year off and just went fishing. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, right? And then there's a photography school in Winnipeg. And I was like, you know what? I'll sign up for photography school. I'll go for one year. It's a one-year diploma class. And it's just a good skill to have, even if, even if I don't become a photographer. For but sure. I, just, I knew I liked taking pictures of fish and scenery. And I, I just wanted to take, honestly, I just wanted to take like better fishing pictures. Yeah. Because you just want to make the fish look big and... Because when when that muskie is glimmering in the sunshine, like what is better than that? Isn't the only way to take a fishing picture picture is to put your arms straight out in front of you so you can't even see your arms anymore? And it's all. Have you guys seen those little hands? It's like this. It's this like little gimmick, but it's just like little plastic hands. Oh no way! You hold them so they're like they're like midget hands, and they're really (laughs) small, and they hold the fish. So the your hands are half the size, and the fish looks gigantic. It's oh, I love that. I'll send you guys the picture yet. It's it's hilarious. That's amazing. Um. Yeah, so it, it started to cross there, and I, I like, I got accepted to photography school, and I was just stoked for that. It was it was a pretty small school, and you had to like interview process and stuff. So I got in, and I'm like, hey, this is great. Uh, it was a week before class was supposed to start, and I had like my last fishing trip, my last little bit of freedom. So I went to Lake of the Woods with a buddy. We we're musky fishing all week. Awesome week of musky fishing, but that's kind of beside the point. Anyways, uh, my friend Aaron Weeb. Who Wait, how, how many old, how many uh, muskie did you catch in an awesome weekend of muskie fishing? Well, we fished, I think, eight days, and I think we caught 22 muskies. We averaged almost three a day. It was like two or three a day. Which wow, is that, like, that is pretty that, good. That's pretty that's, that's not normal, yeah. Um, so that was, that was just a good way to end the summer. And then my buddy Aaron Weeb decided to come and fish with us for the last two days of the trip. And Aaron, is a, he's been a role model for me. Like, when I grew up, before Facebook was a big thing, there was fishing message boards, right? Yeah. And people would post about their different trips and stuff and super dorky, but that's where all the hardcore fishermen hung out. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I like look up to these these role models. And Aaron, so he's 30 and I was, well, I guess I was younger or whatever. He was probably 20, 20 when I was 15, right? So he was going on these awesome trips. I didn't have my drivers and I was just looking up to him and idolizing all these big fish he was catching. Yeah, yeah. And I had become friends with him a couple years earlier and... And we'd gone on a couple of fishing trips, and, and it was all good. We were good friends. And then he came out fishing on this trip right before, right before school was supposed to start. And it was, it was literally like three days before photography school was supposed to start. And he brought his laptop along, and he shows me this pilot for this fishing show. And we watch it, and it's super awesome. And he's like, I want to start doing this full time. What are your thoughts about dropping out of school and filming this? And Three I'm days like, before school starts. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I had got man. an apartment in the city and everything was lined up. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because being part of a fishing show was a dream for me. Like that, I would have said, sure. was my dream growing up. To Originally, I might have said being in front of the camera, but just being involved, it's like, there. a lot of people would love that opportunity. And there isn't a lot of, now it's easier to do it, but it's just not a super easy thing to get into, right? It's yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not an easy gig. 
So when he said this, I was like, oh man, this is, this is once in a lifetime. This is the guy I looked up to for so many years. And he's asking me if I want to come and be the, he put more into it, but essentially I was like the other part coming in to make uncut angling. Right. Mm-hmm. Huh. And oof, I told my parents, I'm like, you know what? School's always going to be there, but I, I got to take this opportunity. I'm like, this is just too sweet. Huh. So my parents were super supportive. I called photography school. I said, I'm, I'm not going. And then that fall, we just hit the road and started filming YouTube videos. And I had no video experience at that point, just some photography experience. And we just figured it out as we went and started making videos. And I remember wow. sitting in the hotel room that, that first day, uploading the video after it had been edited. And the views start coming in. It's weird that people are actually watching our fishing show, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Huh. And so I, I know that there was a time when the show ended up getting on TV, correct? Yeah. So we did one year on YouTube and then we got picked up by, it, it grew faster than I think we probably expected. And then we got picked up by a network in uh, the States and a network in Canada, Wild TV, the Pursuit Channel in the States. And um, it was good, but filming for TV is a little bit different. And sure. I think in this day and age, everybody wants current content. So when you film for TV, you're essentially filming like a year in advance. Yeah, which, right. You know, things change and people want, like like I said, current. So we did the TV thing. TV is expensive. First off, you have to sell advertising. There's just a lot of moving parts to it. Mm-hmm. YouTube is easier. It's uncensored. It's it's You can do whatever you want. It can be any length you want. And it's instant for the world free. You don't need a TV like, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think just how things are, people want to watch instantly. They don't want commercials and... Well, that's interesting. So, did were you responsible for selling ads and stuff, or do you mean the them keeping your show depended on how much ad revenue they could get and stuff? I mean, like Aaron, Aaron handles all the business side of it, and he was in charge of all that and selling ads and sponsorship really? stuff. And wow! I came wow. in and, and filmed, but uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron did the editing and and all that other stuff too. Wow! And yeah, so I mean, it's it's never been full time for me, but it's been like just the ultimate. Like it's what I'm passionate about. It's fishing and media together. And yeah. I, it was, and, and it, it was just amazing how, I think it was the right timing just with how you're able to produce your own show these days. Right. Like look at you guys doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys are in different, different areas and. Well, yeah, you, you know, can do I'm it on... so bare bones now and it's still reasonably quality. At least it's not top quality, but I mean, for the amount that you can put into it and have it accessible to everyone for free is pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it's well, and even yeah, in and some I, ways, I would say it's it's even higher quality because you you throw together a really produced show, and you know it looks great, it flows well, but you mm-hmm. know some of the videos that you guys are putting out now are just so much more natural, and it's it's way more relational, and it obviously looks gorgeous now with everything being in HD to the max, 4K, blah blah blah. Everything looks yeah. so good that it's I, I imagine it's it's a, a nicer way to go. I can't imagine the days of doing that stuff in film. Like even my photography, having to deal with film would be ridiculous. Digital's incredible, yeah. and and we're able to click a button; it's online. And yeah, it's 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 a changing time. But on the other side of it, there's also more fishing shows than ever, and everyone's starting YouTube channels. So it's it's a very mm. interesting time we're in, right? Every right. anyone yeah, can do quickly it, so. becoming saturated. Yeah. When I think of, I mean, fishing in a boat with a few buddies is great and. I kind of imagine like it, it is kind of always a, feels a little bit cramped, crowded. 
how in the world do you work like good camera work in, into that Ooh, whole mix? Good question. It oh, just seems like it'd be chaotic, and like it just seems like the worst possible filming environment. And you guys have drones uh, and stuff, so you're like got bodies, rods, more bodies. Yeah, like and think of all drones. the gear that you have for fishing alone, plus all the camera gear. I, I remember one time I was filming, and uh, all of a sudden, you know those those uh, life life uh, jackets with the yeah, CO two yeah. cartridges. And all of a sudden, I stepped on a life jacket, and I'm filming, looking to the side. And all of a sudden, I just feel it inflating under my foot, and I hear this hissing noise, and I somehow, <laughs> like, popped it. I haven't fallen out of the boat, but I dropped a camera in the water. Oh. And that's too bad. I've, yeah. You know, it's you're dealing with water, right? You're, like, yeah. hovering over water all the time. Things are going to happen, and, you know, it's it's nice to have a bigger boat in, in situations like that. And I've, mm-hmm. you know, you're not always looking where your feet are going. Right. So you're hoping not to get hooks in your feet. And so Are you guys always just in the one boat then, or would you have a separate little boat? Just Separately for in the same film? boat. And okay. it, you know, it depends on the situation right now, just with how things are going for a lot of projects, Aaron's filming on his own. Okay. Just I, the whole time Uncut Angling was going, I was also, you know, filling the time with, with my own personal business. So when Uncut started, I started yes. my own media business on the side and started dabbling into weddings and doing some commercial stuff and, and just because Uncut Angling wasn't full-time for me. Mm-hmm. So I was guiding and then doing Uncut Angling as much as I could. And then now, I guess it's been two years now that I finally said, okay, I have enough media work. I'm going to go full-time into media. So doing as much Uncut as I can um, and then filling everything else with my J Siemens Media, other stuff on the side, and and they've just it, it's been growing, and I think it's a it's a good time to be in in media. It seems like yeah. there's a lot of work available, and people are realizing um, the value of content marketing, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you ever go back to school? I never went back to school. You never I went back. I, I, it's always there. I get, I get asked that question quite a bit, like you know what, where do you study or. You know, where'd you learn? I'm honestly YouTube, like any question you have, it's just YouTube, like, and the thing is you learn exactly what you want. Yes. Like the, the photography school, there would have been a full course on film photography and developing film. And I think that's cool, but I have no urge to ever shoot film in my life. And I know right. some people would like cringe at that because they want to keep film alive. And I think that's cool, but that's not my thing. Yeah. It's not what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, just YouTube and uh, there's a couple like sites that I just scour all the time for the latest news and yeah. oh, that's awesome. Do you have like a favorite thing that you like to to shoot? You start talking weddings and some commercial stuff. Do you what, the what's your favorite gig? I mean, hunting and fishing. I, I think is it's my favorite, and I would say it's my specialty because yeah, I, I understand mm-hmm. it, and I think it's dangerous if you don't understand something and you're filming or editing it. Oh, there's so, guns. Yeah, it's bound to be dangerous, too, right? It's of course it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's I I do like doing everything though. I I would say hunting and fishing is my specialty, my favorite. But I like everything. Like people are like, oh, when are you gonna stop doing weddings? I'm like, I don't think I'm ever gonna stop doing weddings. Like, there's something completely different about that because yes. it's the biggest day of somebody's life, and you yeah. gotta capture it. And there's no redos. Yeah, and it's a challenge. There's so much pressure on you if you screw that up. Like that's true. Yeah. It, similar with hunting, but if I miss a kill shot, you know, next year they'll kill another moose. Or right. you know, it's not ideal. Obviously, that would be a bad situation. But if you screw up with some wedding stuff or 
something goes wrong, you can't really redo it. Except hey, for can you just I do that? You guys. Can you do that kiss again? Let's uh, <laughs> just pause. Uh, pause the ceremony for a sec, guys. I need to get yeah. right in there. Yeah, yeah, just redo your kiss and walk down the aisle one more time. You turn around, <laughs> I just missed that. Oh, my my card corrupted. We lost all that. Start it over. Start it over. And yeah, make sure I, the emotion is exactly the same, please. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Jay, I have a I have a just a very straight up practical question for you uh, about yeah. fishing. So I was talking to a, a friend of mine today, and he's been doing a ton of ice fishing, and we're probably going to go out this weekend. Um, he, nice. And so for oh yeah, so you're in Manitoba, so I'm not sure what your rules are. Calvin lives in Muskoka. I live in yeah Mus Ontario. So our rules are that we can have uh, two lines in and keep two or um, yeah two possession for fish uh, yeah. each. Um, so he has been doing this thing where he gets his ice auger and he drills five holes in a row, but they're all like attached halfway down in the ice and then yeah. fills that up with water and Lime then puts well. all of his fish in there so he can have oh, a yeah. maximum of four fish and then pull out the small one and p replace it with the w whatever one. Um, That's a little uh, bit questionable. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What is the deal with that? Like, so like that it, term, is it, that, uh, that's called, is it a gray area? That's called culling and probably by the letter of the law, I don't think that's, it is nice because it, I mean, for proper harvest, you don't want to be keeping the bigger fish. You want to be keeping the smaller ones. So yes. some people who aren't uh, as educated have been in the sport as much. They think, oh, you should keep the big fish, but really you want to keep the smaller ones. Yep. There's a lot of variables Three of slots that come in. Uh, like, is the fish going to be fine if you do something like that? Yeah, it's it's cold, and if you're not catching the fish from deep water, mm -hmm. you could mm -hmm. do that. People do it in boats all the time. That's what people do in bass tournaments. Yeah, You for always sure. have your five biggest bass, right? And you're culling out the smallest one. Um, you'd really have to check your regulations and hope the fish are doing good. If you're throwing fish back that aren't swimming away properly, well, you should be keeping that fish. Like, right, Because right. for all you know, if you're fishing in 40 feet of water and catching crappies and they're they're guts are coming out of their mouth when you bring them up. Yep. Even if they kick away, they're floating up under the ice. I've seen pictures of underwater cameras under the ice and there's like 80 crappies all stuck to the top of the ice because they kick down and then they come up and they just float up and stick, right? So Why is that? Dang. Because you're just uh, like ripping them up too fast in 40 feet yeah, of water? Like, yeah, it's like a scuba diver coming up so fast. It's sure. like the bends, right? So it's like yep. as soon as you're fishing deeper than like 24 to 32, like I would say deeper than, I don't know what the exact number is, but around 24 feet. Mm-hmm. It's just not good when you're pulling up those fish fast. So yeah. something to keep in mind though is whitefish and lake trout, they have the mm -hmm. ability to burp. So you'll see bubbles come up the hole. If next time you're fishing for lake trout, you'll see bubbles come yeah. up, they can burp. You can catch them from 180 feet of water. They'll yep. burp when they're coming up. You could release them no problem. I was gonna ask about fishing. that. I was like, cause don't you pull lakers out from like over hundred feet of water? Yes. Yeah. Sure. So it's called barrow trauma is like the technical term, but okay. like crappies, walleyes, they don't like that. Bass, it's it's not good from the deep, deep water. There's something hmm. that tournament guys will do. It's called fizzing. And it's definitely frowned upon by some people. And they'll put a tiny needle into their air bladder to, to equalize it before they release the fish. And, and that's, that's a whole controversy that like tournament, some so, tournament guys would do it. And it's, it's definitely, that's pretty, is that well-intentioned or is that to get rid of the evidence? No, it's not to get rid of the evidence. There are like studies that fish do survive from it, but okay. the percentage, it's a better chance of just putting it back, but it. you're poking a hole in a fish. So there's a chance of it mm -hmm. getting infected long, like the short answer is you just shouldn't be fishing for fish. 
deeper than if you are fishing for them in 30 feet of water you should be bringing them up slowly you can help that yeah. by reeling slowly and pulling them up slowly but yeah. That's all really interesting stuff. I think it's, oh, as Calvin and I have been getting more into fishing over the past, I would say, two, three years, we're starting to get, I'm not going to say super serious, but we're interested in fish behavior and yeah. well, how we, do we... we like learning about it and all yeah. the little technicalities. And, and I've, I've found that there is this really fascinating community of people who deeply, deeply care about species and about populations and about, like, healthy fish... Um, healthy fish populations and you know the one example that comes to my mind is when this w video went viral of this guy clubbing a muskie and just chucking oh, it back yeah. in the water because it was eating all his walleye and he was wanted to catch his walleye and this guy just got destroyed in the <laughs> okay, fishing wow. fishing community and like like they sent the cops after him and they had video evidence and all this other stuff like that, that. Got nasty yeah that got really nasty it was this massive controversy in the fishing world um Give us a little bit more insight like as to why that is or how do we know that we're keeping fish okay. populations healthy and stuff like that. Well, like, think about what's the biggest fish you've ever caught. It was probably a uh, three-foot three pike. Nice. And how did you feel when you caught that fish? Unbelievable. Yeah. Best feeling ever, right? Can you imagine if you could give that to somebody else, if Calvin could have the same feeling and somebody else could have the same feeling? Yep. If you kill that fish... No one else gets that feeling. It's it's right, over. It's right. done right there. There's fish that uh, on Uncut Angling when we were on TV at the start, it was called Catch and Catch Again, a segment we had. And if you if you dude, look at I the saw that. Videos, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So there's stories of fish that have been caught three and four times, miles apart, like epic fish, like 52, 53 inch musky, caught multiple times, and it's like, I just know the thousands of dollars and the countless hours you put into that fish, and it's like. You just put it back and someone else can catch it. I've yeah. seen catch and release work so many times. So it's tagged somehow that you're tracking it? No, it's, no, it's they, just they like... No, they look at photos of it and they can see the patterns. Yeah, Aaron no Aaron has a photo... The guy, Aaron Weeb from the show, he has a yeah, photographic yeah. memory. And he'll see a fish and he'll be like, okay, pull up that other picture. And there's stories from like... He's been looking at a fish from this year and he looks back two years ago from some other picture and matches them up. Seriously? Like, How do you even know that? And, Facial recognition. <laughs> yeah, it's basically. just science. But there will be like a little nick in the fin. And obviously big fish have character. They're just yes, like right. kind of like wrinkles or they'll like specific marks. Like every pike has different markings. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when a fish is that big, you notice it. Smaller fish, you wouldn't notice it as much. Yes. Yeah. But right. on big fish, changing. it's... Uh, so that's that another, cool that's another interesting. interesting thing. When you think of these massive trophy fish, how many of them are there in a given lake? Like is that... Not is as that, many as Again, is it that's just not as many, sorry? Not as many as you think. No. Yeah. No, you'd be surprised. And the fish that don't have sp special markings could get caught 15 times and you wouldn't know. Like, mm, wow. It's, it's those fish that are unique. You notice that, but how many times do you not notice it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's, it catch and release is absolutely incredible and it is very effective. There's a whole list of variables. Warm water being a huge one. Like, mm. fish in the winter, I mean, as long as they're not freezing they do great but as soon as you're fishing in water that's 80 90 degrees any time out of the water is just like exponentially worse really so eh? any, oh, and really? taking pictures and anything anything is just that much worse than the water's warm huh. so you just have to what? be incredible you would think warm water is better but like is spring it just and for fall, disease and bacteria it's just like if you were running a marathon in the middle of summer or running a marathon yep. on a crisp spring day it's like 
where would you which one would you feel grosser after well probably the summertime mm. one you'd feel like you're yep. dehydrated and so i mean you got to think people people use the use the comparison like essentially a fish is fighting for its life running a marathon and then if you ran a marathon and stuck your head into the water for 30 seconds after running as hard as you can yes and then it's like okay i'm going to take your picture with your head under the water it's like that would be the worst time to take your picture so right we're always super careful like even just having a big landing net and keeping it over the side we'll catch the fish keep the fish in the water or in the live well we build live wells on the ice like you were saying mm-hmm. yeah yep keep the fish in there okay got the camera ready pull it out take your picture back in the water pull it out back in the live well make sure the picture's a good release or whatever the situation is but if you just have a fish flopping on the ice in the bottom of the boat, you're just, Asking it's for trouble. not a good situation, right? What about the uh, water dripping Chinese torture method? Does that work at all? <laughs> um, they probably... It keeps whales alive. <laughs> Get free Willie really... alive. The, the biggest fish of them all. <laughs> I was very close to rescuing whales last week, actually. Really? Where were you? I was, I was in New Zealand. And, no way. Wow. Uh, I came back yesterday, but on the north side of the South Island was the worst whale beaching in like the history yeah. of oh, yeah, it's Europe. been all over the news and we were like a six hour drive away from it wow. and if we didn't have to be at the airport the next day we would have gone and tried to rescue whales because it would have been it would have been gross i'm sure and like sad but experience of a lifetime that's once in a lifetime right yeah um what like really what brought you down to new place. zealand um that was just a fun trip that was just uh fishing and photography working for my uh just always working on the portfolio and yeah. You got to do those fun trips once in a while. Freshwater or on the ocean? Freshwater. Nice. There's the biggest nice. biggest brown trout in the world or in New Zealand. Really? Yeah. And you go fly so fishing for fl- those ones? Fly or? fishing then? Uh, we did uh, no, no fly fishing, actually, just spin fishing. There are some like okay. gorgeous rivers, but the biggest trout there are in some of the lakes and the canal systems in the middle. Huh. And uh, it's just easier to fish with. with Who were you down there with? There. Just a buddy from my hometown. And uh, yeah. Nice. Oh, that's Good. awesome. So, yeah, why don't you give us a, a little bit of a, another picture about some of those other adventures that you go on? Because it seems as though, you know, getting a p- picture of your story here, uh, you, you said yes to opportunity. It's led you on this this cool adventure. Um, do, you, do you look at yourself as as an adventurous person? And if so, um, you know, why do you why do you like adventure? Um, I think this kind of relates to the question about. You know, what's your favorite thing to shoot? I like shooting everything. And it's the same reason I like going fishing at different lakes. And I just don't want to do the same thing. I don't want to get caught in monotony monotony in my life ever. So I just like variety. I would rather go fish a different lake, even if I knew I was going to catch less, just because it would be seeing something new or, yeah, if that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So Yeah, the potential for something different and new, right? Yeah, potential for something different. That's why I like saying yes to as many opportunities as possible. And and just this last year, just just with how the media stuff has has taken off, it's it's brought me to uh, to some amazing amazing places. I think last year I was on the road for probably close to two hundred and fifty days. Wow! So oh, that's yeah. a lot. So I'm kind of never at home. And right. uh, like I I got home from uh, New Zealand yesterday and I'm on Friday I'm going to Texas to go fishing for a week actually and wow um it's a balance of work and work and play like a lot of work in the summer that's when a lot of my work is and now winter time it's like I want to recharge and and do some fishing of my own and get the creative juices going and so I don't like to sit still too long 
Are um, you going to burn through ice fishing season and not even get out there? I actually, I did some ice fishing earlier this year. Okay. Um, and I'll probably do some end of the season and start of the season. Um, kind of my two favorite times because the weather's the nicest and ice fishing's the best. February is kind of, I would say, for where we're at in North America, like the worst season of fishing in general because it's the, well, start of Feb, I guess. It's just everything slow. Weather's the coldest. You're dealing mm-hmm. with tough conditions. And I like March when the days are 12 hours long and you can ice fish in a hoodie. And Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Jay, I've had zero luck ice fishing in my life. Absolutely zero. Really? And now That's because you always wear Uggs. <laughs> no, I never Uggs. Uggs. I am moderately <laughs> ill-prepared, but I don't, think we, I don't think we go with the right people and we just don't know enough about what we're doing. Uh, do, do so guys, I don't know. I catch fish. Have you caught fish ice fishing? Yes. Never do seen you guys a pick. Know what a, do you know what a flasher is? Uh, I, yes, from your videos. No. Yeah, so like flashers became big a couple years ago, and they I would say increase your your catch percentage. Like, like if I was driving to Lake of the Woods right now, driving three hours, if I was in Kenora and I didn't have my flasher, I would drive three hours home to grab my flasher and go back. Like I wouldn't even fish if I didn't have my flasher. Wow. Or, sorry, ex- explain what it is to me. So a flasher essentially is a it's a it's a circular circular dial, and it's basically a real time fish finder. So you're seeing, it's like a video game. It is unbelievable. So if you're fishing for fish that don't cruise around too much, like uh, crappies will normally like sit in the same spot, sometimes walleyes, perch and stuff. You might drill 50 holes, 100 holes. Mm -hmm. I'll go from hole to hole with the flasher. If I don't see a fish, I won't even drop down because if there's a fish there, you're going to see it. So I can know if there's even fish swimming by or fish looking at me. So this Hmm. device, like it's your eyes underwater. It's... Mm -hmm. Than last year camera. i last year i really realized or i came to the you know realization of how amazing um just having that transducer is it the same oh, yeah. thing as a nice transducer is essentially yeah. what you're talking about yeah yeah it's like, just a it's pocket it's yeah, just so a powerful and, and yeah and a totally different uh style altogether of how to um go about the afternoon and or the morning and just drilling as many holes as you can and just constantly running around checking i, I think people in their mind have this have this visualization of grumpy old men when they're ice fishing and like sitting You're totally in the shack right yes not moving yes and um you know just yeah, sitting quiet and doing nothing yeah yeah exactly and it's it's not like that if you're ice fishing hard like you're moving you're mobile and just with how ice fishing is advanced there's portable shacks there's heaters ice fishing i mean they say it's the fastest growing sport right now really i'm sure people say that about a no bunch way. of sports but ice fishing is huge because you get a flash or you get a shack for a couple hundred bucks and you can fish in a t-shirt when it's minus 40 outside. You can be in your shack all warm and, and doing your thing, right? It's pretty sweet. And, and the thing about ice fishing is you don't need a boat. So it's yeah. people that might not have yes. accessibility to a boat or the income. Mm-hmm. You can get anywhere on the ice with your truck if it's a good snow year. And yeah. it kind of puts you to level playing ground. And there's people I know that they live for ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So Jay, if you kind of off off topic. No, that's all good. That's all good. If, uh, if you had some tips for folks on how to, uh, you know, live a little bit more of an adventurous lifestyle, what would you, what would you tell them? I think you just got to say yes to opportunities that you're unsure about because 
I mean, this might sound cliche, but I, I would rather say yes and completely fail at something than say no and kick myself for the next couple of weeks, right? Like, Yeah, that would have eaten you alive during your photography course if you said no to Aaron Weeb. Oh, I knew for the rest of my life that if someone else stepped in and was filming it, I'm like, that should be me. That should yes. be me. And you wouldn't even be able to watch it. Oh, uh, I, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. For those not vi- visualizing this on Skype, Jay is literally crying. His, there's tears streaming down his <laughs> He's face. He's breaking down. <laughs> Aaron, send this guy a text. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, just got to say yes. And, and I mean, I, I just know there's a lot of people trying to get into video and photo right now. And I think... You just got to take any opportunity you can like do do work for free. Sometimes you don't have to get paid. Mm-hmm. Do do work for fun. Like if you're not booking work right now, go shoot something you're really passionate about because it's going to turn into something else. Like people are going right. to notice if you're passionate about it, it'll show through your work. If you're shooting something you're not passionate about, people see that and, and they won't be interested in, in hiring you. So can you give us a couple just great little tips on how to take the ultimate fish picture. Like, is it appropriate to be smacking the gut? What can, or can we not do? Um, also, just I think there's a fine there's line. There's a quick with the pick f- of my little, my pike there. Oh, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. So I thought that that's was a, a good pretty shot. good pick. I got him right out there. No, that's good. You didn't like the, the, uh, a big one is the, the tail is almost clipped, maybe clipped a little yes. bit. Yeah, you never want to bit. clip any parts of the fish. It's harder on Instagram because it's square, right? But never cut off any parts of the fish. Um, okay. Typically, you want to be front lit, like sun shining right on the fish and on the person. Mm-hmm. Fish mm-hmm. pictures are often a little bit less artistic just, just with how things are, and you want it lit nicely and showing the fish. I think there's a balance between holding it against your body and holding it too far out. Yes. Some people would say hide your hands. It's nice seeing some of your hands just so you can get a, a scale for things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to like you you're know, not trying to fake it too bad. I mean, if you catch a good fish, the fish will the fish will do the talking. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough do with the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's tough with fish pictures because you can have a six five, three hundred fifty pound guy holding the biggest fish ever, and then you can have an eight year old girl holding the same fish, and it it's like there's no way that's the yeah. same fish, but it is. Yeah. Right? I mean, but. I, I love some of the really artistic shots. I mean, like like even just like a little like two, three pound rainbow trout all like lit up is unreal. It looks so gorgeous. Yeah, sometimes it, and you can get artistic with it. Sometimes it's nice to just be focused on the fish, right? You don't always mm-hmm. have to have your, your face a part of it. And, and, you know, people always call out on social media, it's Photoshop, you're holding it out too far. It's like, well, I think the focus should be on the fish. I mean, right. anyone who knows fish is going to, have a good vibe just looking at the fish and looking how the fins look, how big it is. You can kind of tell fish have characteristics when they get bigger and yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and if none of those work, just get the little, uh, little hands toy, <laughs> little hands. Exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. What's the key to getting a hook out really quickly and really easily with this big, these big, uh, you know, these big fish that are flopping around like crazy. Well, I mean, something that Manitoba does, that's pretty cool is it's barbless. So across the oh, province, you really? have to fish barbless. And, you know, you can complain about it that you'll lose fish. I fished barbed in other places, and I've fished barbless forever in Manitoba. And, man, you lose fish that you should never get off that are barbed, and you lose fish that, Hmm. like, you lose fish both ways, and you stick fish both ways, and 
fishing barbless gets you to keep your line tight, but but beyond that, um, just a good pair of pliers when you're dealing with dealing with any hook, right? And yeah. just noting the angle it goes in. You can't just go in there and just start pulling aimlessly. Like you have to yep. know the angle it came in so you can reverse the angle. Um, another trick for fish that are hooked really deeply is going in through the back of the gills. I don't know if you guys oh. have seen that before. When yep. a fish is hooked really deep, you can go through the gills and get back in there if it's hooked close to the gullet. Because mm-hmm. if you try to go through the mouth, you, you won't reach it. Oh, so, destroy it. Well, that's yeah. very helpful because that's the thing. When I'm trying to release a fish and, and do it all really quickly, I'm like, man, I feel so bad. I'm like really having a hard time getting this hook out. So that's interesting. So I guess just a tiny descriptor in Ontario, you can have barbed hooks, which has a little backwards-facing hook on the hook that, that keeps the hook in the fish's mouth in Manitoba. Yeah, it it's that. just can slide in and slide out no problem yeah so exactly hmm. but it's a good challenge too yeah i'm sure yeah the, right it's better a, fishermen a better, coming better from fisherman. manitoba for sure <laughs> and when you hook yourself it's so much better you're so thankful that you're fishing sure when that's you put the hook true. through your hand like yeah th- that's oh, kind of one thing that i'm freaking out a little bit about is uh, like knock on wood i've never been hooked <laughs> while fishing and i'm like every year i spend fishing is another like like it's bound to happen if you know what whatever the odds are it's just getting worse and worse the longer it doesn't happen yeah no it's it's gonna happen eventually and <clears throat> it's sometimes the little fish the big fish you can kind of feel their movements and you kind of have an idea what they're doing it's the little ones that get like start thrashing and stick to your hand like i i have a couple scars on my hand and <laughs> i aaron and i were pre-fishing for a muskie tournament and it was like not a giant muskie it was like maybe a, a 40 incher and I just grabbed it beside the boat with my hands, and it thrashed, and it was a big barbed hook. And one hook oh. was through my hand, and one was still in the muskie's mouth. Oh. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it was, it was scary. And then just nasty bolt cutters. So for oh. muskie fishing, those hooks are so big, we just bring bolt cutters. And it's just, oh, really? we'll just cut the oh. hooks, because it's yeah. not worth, they're not worth 40 yeah. cent hooks, and you're catching yeah. one muskie a day, or zero muskies a day, mm-hmm. right? So you just cut the hooks, and yeah, you don't it. rip any flesh, and... Yeah, bolt cutters mm. is, is good to have no matter what because <laughs> things happen fast. And you wouldn't believe how tight your skin is on your body. Like, it's like, oh, my skin's pretty loose. Man, I had a hook through my lip. I had hooks <laughs> in my hands. And, and your skin is really, really tight on your body. Like, it's tough to get a hook out. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know the vegans are probably happy every time a fisherman gets hooked. <laughs> so you get what you deserve. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true, man. dear. <laughs> Well, yeah, anyway, I feel like we could just sit here and talk fishing for like the next two hours, but that probably that wouldn't be great. very good I, content for our thing. listeners. I, I said we could talk about fishing. We could talk about photography. I know. Whatever, whatever <laughs> direction you lead it, that's that's what I'll talk about. There's endless. I know. So, well, well, yeah, we'll put our, you know, some listeners maybe out of their misery with the with the fishing talk. But uh, I thought, you know, this is a great conversation, and we uh, we love getting some of your backstory. And um, uncut angling is my favorite by far you know fishing youtube show so people should definitely check that out uh they can find you online at uh on instagram j siemens media we'll tag you a bunch this week we're gonna get you to send us some photos we'll throw them up on our feed um what else do you want people to to know what else do i want people to know you're unavailable next week (laughs) i'm gonna be fishing in texas in shorts and flip-flops i'm quite excited about that (laughs) the goal is a 10 pound largemouth bass no. 10 pounds, like, a, a pretty big benchmark. I, I did a trip to Texas a couple years ago, and our biggest was 9.5. So Are I, you kidding I, me? That's amazing. I'm going back for, for vengeance and trying to crack 10, so. 
That is savage. That's amazing. Dude, I catch a three-pound bass, I freak out. Three's good. I mean, but Texas is just everything's bigger in Texas, right? <laughs> Three's good. Bass. Ten is great. I spent, <laughs> oh, I spent half the day digging the, the boat out of the snow today. It was absolutely outrageous. There's so much snow. We had to get a front-end loader in there clearing. The, it was it was a situation. Oh, so you're driving down with all your gear. Yeah, it'll be like a 25-hour drive or something that's like wicked. that. Yeah. Oh, that's wicked. Man, awesome. you are all about the adventure. I love it. I can't sit still. That's my biggest problem. Might be all the <laughs> coffee. I think so. You were just so everywhere you know. Uh, Jay was chugging six cups of coffee periodically between breaths of this podcast. Yeah, and we're recording this podcast at like ten his time, eleven our time. So he's about to get fired up for a night of editing. He is buzzing. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go hard this night. Yeah, Got a lot of videos to finish. So, all right. Well, well, dude. Well, thanks open, so much open for invite. F- Sorry. Open invite for you guys. Whenever you want to come to Manitoba and come fishing. Hit me up. Oh, we'll dude, that would be amazing. And Manitoba's same, got same. big everything. We, uh, we have the channel catfish capital of the world. Do you want to catch know. a big catfish? Some I people like ca- you catfish, but you can go and catch. I want to like, catch a sturgeon. 20, no, uh, 30. Uh, uh, you can catch sturgeon. You can catch big pike. You can catch. Manitoba's the burbot got video got me uh, got me hooked. Ooh, yeah, yeah. burbots. No I've never even, I never the even burbot. saw those before your videos. The ice fishing one or the open water one? Uh, the open water one. Nice. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're. And yeah, Jay, wild. there's also an open invite for any time you're in Ontario to come and uh, again teach us how to fish. You you come and we'll put you to that work. That would be great. I've got a fishing your story char- from your backyard actually. Use. Yeah, let's hear it. I was fishing Niagara on the lake and um, on the my river. My parents dropped me off. Uh, no, it was it was the lake and then there was some sort of pond and I think when the wind was blowing in, this pond would fill with water. So like on odd instances, this pond could fill up. Yeah. And I, I would. I'm not sure. It was like a decent sized slew lagoon sort of deal. And I saw carp surfacing everywhere. So I'm like, I'm going to carp fish this pond. So my parents dropped me off and I was probably like 14. My dad left me with his phone and I'm fishing by myself for the day. And I hook up with a big carp and I'm just like been waiting all day for this. And it's like wrapping me around the corner and I can't really get at it. And it's in in the bush. So I hop in the water and I'm like waiting out and it's up to my chest. And I'm like, oh, I have my dad's phone in my pocket. Uh, so I'm just like, uh, just wrecked my dad's Blackberry. But I caught the carp. It was my biggest carp. It was a 30 inch or something. Nice. And then I just sat there and waited until my parents came and picked me up. And I said, dad, I wrecked your phone. <laughs> was it worth but it? But look at the fish. Maybe. So yeah. I know I pretty much, I think it was close to the lake where it washed in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so if you would have kept walking down the beach, you... If it's the spot I'm thinking, you would have got right to my my house. Really? Yeah, yeah. We live. Uh, Maybe we, we live on, paths? on that lake there. Yeah, we went across paths. We have connections in in my hometown and all that good stuff. So it's a small world. Awesome. Well, Jay, thanks so much for coming on the show, and we might uh, have you back, and hopefully, we bump into you, man. Perfect. It was a good chat. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your next trip. Look forward to seeing some pictures. Thank you very much. See you guys. All right, Jay Siemens. Good talk. It's just so fun talking with uh, with a guy that's just that into fishing. It's uh, I love it. I also love it when you can walk out of a conversation, and we chatted with him a little before the interview and yeah, after, yeah. and you just feel like you have a new friend. That's what I love. I, most I really about felt this like we connect, like we could totally hang with him. The other yes. thing, I I uh, okay, just talking with guys that are really into fishing. They love talking about fishing, and but you'll only get so far with them. Because as soon as you're like locally, as soon as, soon as you start asking like, hmm, got any hot spots, they shut down. Yeah. 
I was going to ask him a little bit about that actually too. I mean, we obviously didn't ask him any of those questions, but in some yeah. of the videos on uncut angling, they're very secretive about where they are. Yes. And so it the... almost gets me to kind of try to look at the landscapes and say, if I did a Google Maps, could I tell what lake this is or where they are? And they're yeah. in Manitoba, and I mean, there's so many lakes in Manitoba, especially in the yes. north. But anyways. Yeah, but but even even like guys that I know well that are, are really into fishing, it's uh you don't you don't you don't get any information about where they're going. Yeah. And even sometimes you know what what kind of lures or bait they're using, it's all yeah. very secretive. Yeah. Like, funny story too, and I I know of this one guy, and he is like the most ultimate in secretive, and he will go out ice fishing in his hut, and then he will get his limit of fish, so two fish. He will stuff them down his pants and walk back to his truck so that no one sees that he caught anything. So it looks like he's returning empty-handed. Are you serious? I'm totally serious, yeah. That's How not hilarious true. is that? It's totally true. Does he have a little pouch in there or does he just put it right against his pants? I think he just stuck, like, maybe puts them in bags and then sticks them in his snow pants. That That's is what amazing. I would do. That is it's so hilarious. Amazing. Oh, it's so good. I thought you were going to say he has a camo tent. <laughs> <laughs> it's just white. <laughs> no, 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 camo green on the ice. No one sees it. Snowmobiles like <laughs> ramming into it. <laughs> All right, Jared, I do yeah. have something else that I want to talk to you about. All right, hit me. And you know, you know where I live, and sometimes you know I get a bit down about um, about just the area, and um, I don't know, just how do I explain this? Sometimes this is a bit of a, a hick town, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, you agree. So, and then um, I've shared with you in uh, before about some just amazing uh news headlines that come out of this local town of mine yes. and i wanted to just share one on the podcast that my wife actually came across and she thought i would totally appreciate and does this Headline. get you does this get you down or is this like just this make... gets me down but it also <laughs> just gets me so fired up <laughs> in one sense Headline. it gets me down and in a much more real sense it gets me very fired up sorry all right on. let me read this headline Unwanted braiding leads to death threats in Huntsville. <laughs> Unwanted braiding. Yeah, braiding, as in braiding of hair. Let me just read you a little snippet here. <laughs> um, Hughes Noedge, 22, of North Bay, pleaded guilty to threatening death and possession of marijuana, less than 30 grams, for an incident at a Huntsville campground. Uh, Noedge was staying up on the location of... Hutchins Beach Road with a group of co-workers from the roofing company he employed by after traveling the area for a contract. Da, 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 da. Um, oh, sorry. Um, so these guys are Crown hanging attorney, out. Yeah, so the, the, they're, they're hanging out. They're camping. Crown attorney Ted Carlson said on um, February 8th court date in Huntsville that the incident occurred while the group was relaxing after a job. The group of workers had a campfire. Mr. Noege approached the victim and went to braid the victim's hair. The victim <laughs> took exception to, to that and led to a confrontation between the two men. And Mr. Noege said, do you want to get stabbed? Question mark. You better watch it. <laughs> you don't know who you're messing with. It goes on from there. The police are called and then they find they're holding a little bit of pot. Which goes very beautifully into my first story about roofers smoking weed on the <laughs> <True>. job. <laughs> True, same guy. You should go ask him. He's probably it's smoking because he almost got caught guy. by the pot. Caught, caught by the cops. And just so, so good. So I, now, I mean, Calvin, I think. Yes, go on. So death threats after someone came up and braided your hair. Now your hair, if I look at it, is getting pretty long. It's completely braidable, and I think those are the <laughs> things you have to deal with when you have long hair. You know, people might just be attracted to it and want to come. Toss a few braids in. You know, and, and guys, 
braiding hair they're practicing because that's how they bond with their daughters couple guys just sitting around a campfire (laughs) it's irresistible like i can't like how did they know that he was trying to braid it is what i want to know i just love that like i can just totally picture just like that uber homophobic response (laughs) like yo what the (laughs) yo don't touch me (laughs) (laughs) do you remember that Um, one i shared with you a little while ago about the uh domestic dispute in the home depot parking lot where uh, <laughs> there was somebody was karate chopped to the neck yes like, these are like the these are the gemstone stories that kind of come out of our local news as if that's the go-to move in a fight is a karate chop to the throat it's like dwight Schrute. <laughs> but it, at the end of the day all these things in my mind are like kind of sad but obviously they totally are but they're just like as a headline, the fact that they need to make headline news in the local paper is what I find hilarious. Yeah, and as a headline, when you can like remove all the humanity out of it, it, it like t- forget yes. that there's real people attached to it. It is yeah. completely hilarious. Totally hilarious that they feel the need to tell this story about a guy getting a six hundred dollar fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, and how I, can that make the news? The way that I kind of read it too, it was really interesting because I was like, in the article, um, it said, and you shared it with me the other day. It yeah. said, um. Uh, you know, Ted Carlton, crown attorney, says this, mm-hmm. and my wife is hoping to be a crown attorney. Right. And so right. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this the kind of crap that she's going to have to deal with? That's Dude exactly what I was thinking about. Braids too, yeah. hair, like, gets ticked, calls cops, finds weed. Like, it's such a hilarious scenario that yeah, is but like, so the crown attorney's, annoying yeah, take, that it clogs the court system. Like, no doubt this crown attorney takes themselves very seriously and has done tons of schooling and, you know, inspired. And then this is the kind of thing he's dealing with. I would probably – I would say probably not. Like, if you're a crown attorney in Huntsville or in the north, you probably know that's the kind of this stuff is, you deal with. And I think true. he yeah. probably just likes living in Muskoka in his little yep. cottage-style house and, 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 and likes that gig. But anyways, that is a really funny story. Yeah. Hopefully some more to come for the future. I'll, uh, I'll share them as I come across them. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's a good episode, I think. I think let's uh, let's maybe wrap this thing up. Yeah, I think let's wrap this up. Um, I think we have lots of – we're, we're going to be sharing some stuff about um, Jay and his work and yeah. his adventures. And he's all over the map. So it's, it's pretty cool to track him and see what he's up to. I really hope he gets that uh, ten pounder. I'm really rooting for oh, him. Oh man, did you see the photo of the nine pounder he posted? I did. It's oh my god. It looks gosh. like the thing's disgusting. Like how big of a bass is that? Complete hog. Yeah, and it does look kind of nasty. I'm like, that's not natural. It. I know it looks unnatural. Um, the other thing maybe we should quickly do is apologize to our listeners for not putting an episode up last week. Some people might not have noticed, but maybe others did, and and we just gotta apologize. We're sorry. Okay, Jared, I'm sure they noticed. Come on. <laughs> Um, and that's the other thing, too. If you, you know, think of those five areas that we chatted about at the beginning of the show and you're saying, oh, th- this is the most interesting to me or I know someone who would be really good for this. Shoot us an email. Let us know. We we want to help you be involved in the show. Calvin and I are more than happy to keep booking guests and making the show interesting. But you guys are our listeners. And so if you have things that you want to hear about, things you want us to chat about, um, you know, whether it's personal or exploring other thoughts and ideas, please let us know. We're very open to your input on the show, so get in touch if you're interested or if uh, you've been a listener for a long time. This show is for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perhaps we'll get the editor of the uh, Huntsville Star. That, that might be a good one. <laughs> That'd be good. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and we hope that this episode helps you find a little bit more adventure in your everyday. day.